You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 112, Photon. Welcome, Photon Warriors. Commence strategic maneuvers at audible command signal. Five, four, three, two, one, begin. Yes, indeed. Greetings, Photon Warriors, and welcome to episode 112 of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, if you didn't guess by the introduction there, today's theme is Photon, the ultimate game on planet Earth, as it was known. Uh, to a bunch of kids like me, it really did seem like the ultimate game on planet Earth. At the time, uh, when I was playing Photon, it was uh, being pitched as the sport of the future. Competition, laser tag, there were competitions across the country. Uh, it, it was considered a sport. And um, Photon had huge success in the mid-80s for uh, several years four or five years, and um, then the company filed bankruptcy and pretty much disappeared off the face of the earth. So um, today I'm going to be talking about Photon and my experiences with Photon and all about Photon. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with Photon. I want to say Photon eight more times before we start. (laughs) Episode 112, You Don't Know Flat. When I think back about my time spent at Photon, um, there's almost this, if you can imagine like movies, uh, maybe movies from the 80s that you saw of kids hanging out, or maybe you were a kid who hung out at the mall with his friends, um, not shopping, not doing um, you know, anything particularly constructive, just being at the mall. Um, there was also uh, a time, you know, where uh, skateboarding in the 80s was very popular and, and kids just hung out, you know, at skate spots. Maybe they wore skater-type clothing. Uh, and they weren't necessarily skateboarding, but they were just with those people, you know. And um, to me, when I think about Photon, that's kind of what I think about. It was more than just the game, the actual playing of Photon, uh, it was an entire uh, culture. I don't know if, if you could say a lifestyle, you know, but it was um, uh, there was more than just playing in the game Photon. There was hanging out at the Photon Center, uh, you know, being with other people, talking about strategy. When it hit, it became very popular uh, in a short amount of time, and people, you know, a lot of people really connected with this game of laser tag in an arena, so... Um, the history of Photon can be traced back to one man. His name is George Carter III. And uh, according to George, he got the idea for Photon while he was watching Star Wars. And these, uh, you know, the laser battles that took place uh, on the Death Star. 
and he had this idea that um, you know that could become a fun game. Uh, one of the things that that George has mentioned in interviews is that um, really it takes the guesswork out of uh, playing cops and robbers. You know where people would would uh, you know you point your finger at another kid and say, well you know bang I got you. Well no you didn't. Yes you did. That sort of thing. Um, but so the technology that went into Photon was basically that game that a lot of us played as kids except for it kept score for us and you know so now there was no arguing with the system of course people still did argue with the system but basically it it was able to keep track of score and and who shot who and um and so forth so uh george came up with this idea for photon way back in um, 1977 when he first saw star wars Uh, but he didn't really start working on photon until about 1982 um and so he uh, applied for some patents and you know set up the technology that Photon would run on, and the first Photon Center opened in March of 1984. So that was the very first Photon Center, and then shortly after opening that, George franchised the ability to open your own Photon Center. Now there were a couple of specific arenas uh, maps, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, the first franchisee. Uh, according to Wikipedia, anyway, opened in Toronto in the summer of 1985. And it wasn't too long after that that Photon opened here in Oklahoma City. Now, again, this is uh, from Wikipedia. It says, in 1987, 70 franchise licenses had been sold and 45 arenas were operating. So there were operating arenas in both Oklahoma City and Tulsa at that time. So we had two of the 45 Photon sitters. So... Photon was was big here at that time, but not necessarily, um, you know, all across the country. So let's talk a little bit about the game of Photon. The goal of Photon was obviously for your team to score more points than the other team uh, during a set amount uh, or during a single game. Games were six and a half minutes long, and they were played on a big play field which was actually symmetrical. So, you know, there were two sides to the play field, and your side matched the other side. The uh, equipment that you wore, there was a red team and a green team, and the uh, helmets for your team matched your color. Also, there were lights on your helmet that had that same color. So uh, that was... That was um, it was kind of dark inside the Photon Center, but that's how you could spot the people on your team versus uh, people on the other team. So this arena, there were a couple of different layouts for Photon Arenas, and the two that um, I'm familiar with were the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, Oklahoma City was an Alpha field, and so there were all these different parts of the field that you could go to. Uh, in the middle, there was a big bunker there were a series of catacombs, a big maze kind of on the bottom in the back. There were ramps that shot up near the front where you began. And so there were there were all these, you know, depending on what kind of player you were, if you were somebody who liked to hide in a bunker uh, and, and snipe people as they ran by, or if you were someone uh, who wanted to take, you know, the crow's nest was a big center area at the top center of the field, which was great for shooting down at people. But it was also it left you kind of vulnerable when people came up behind you so there was a lot of coordination on your team actually there was as much coordination as you wanted (laughs) because there were some people that didn't want to be part of a team or anything and they would just walk around and shoot people and get shot and that was okay and then there were people that were you know took it almost to a um uh, a military level this was 
before uh, the big surgence of uh, paintball as as we have it today. So um, there were a lot of people that were uh, you know military minded who would play photon and, and set up very specific plans. You know, and, uh, people that would even uh, either you know synchronize their watches or based on cues on the game soundtrack. If you listen, you know, there's a a soundtrack that played with each game and there were uh, different cues in that so you could maybe whenever an event happened on the soundtrack move to another area or something like that but anyway there were also uh, fog machines that sprayed fog into the field and uh, laser lights that shot around spotlights when the intruder alert happened Uh, so there were you know all these things that were meant to kind of give you this otherly world like you were on another planet uh, in, in the environment and then everything was covered in this kind of indoor-outdoor gray carpet, which was really great for giving you carpet burns if you ever fell down. So everybody had photon rug burns. That was very, very common when playing. So um, so anyway, when you began the game, you know, you had the red team on one side, the green team on the other, and the introduction that I played at the beginning of the podcast was what began the actual soundtrack of the game. So the lady would... Uh, countdown from five to one say begin and then you would walk out onto the field now different photon centers the the general rule of photon was you were not supposed to run but depending on the age of the players and and um what was going on at the time that rule kind of came and went i remember running an awful lot while playing photon but uh i think officially you weren't supposed to run so as you spread out on the field you began looking for people on the other team you could shoot them they could shoot you you got 10 points for shooting someone else and you lost 10 points if they shot you now you could also lose 30 points if you shot someone on your own team and uh, actually if you did that that would disrupt both of you you can shoot for another five seconds so it may have been yeah i think it was five seconds five or seven seconds i think it was five seconds so if you got shot or shot someone on your own team you wouldn't be able to shoot for another five seconds there were also these sounds, and I have some of these sounds that I've downloaded off the internet that were going on in your helmet at the time, so you could you could really hear what was going on in the game. Now, on each side of the field, there was also a base, and it was this giant pulsating LED dome. There was one on each side of the play field, and, and it was um, colored for your color. So, you know, red team had a red base, green team had a green base. And if you could get to the other side of the field and shoot your opponent's base three times in a row without anything else happening, then you got 200 points. Now, you could only do that once per game. And you had to shoot it three times in a row uninterrupted. In other words, if you shot it twice and then someone else shot you, then those two shouts didn't count. You'd have to shoot the base three times again. Uh, But the base was also good as a target for clearing your gun. Another rule that the computer system kept track of is that you could only shoot the same player three times in a row, and then you had to shoot something else. Whether that was uh, another opponent would be the the ideal situation, but also you could clear off the base and shoot the base and then shoot the same person. So this prevented you from following little kids around and just shooting them repeatedly and running up a big score for you and, and making their day pretty miserable too. So... Uh, but that that was kind of how the scoring worked and then so at the end of the game when you went out there were televisions that were hanging up and it would show you uh, your individual score plus a team score uh, where it would have you know all the scores of each side added up so that was the the ideal goal now photon involved a lot of equipment as well and so when you got in line to play you would go through this um, 
oh, like a, a kind of a chained off thing, depending on how many people there they would add, you know, like you're waiting in line at an amusement park. But um, so the first thing you did when you went in is you would get this little, uh, like a disposable do rag that we all called space lice protectors. And that's basically what it was for is to put these things on so that uh, when you put on these helmets that everybody else was wearing, they wouldn't be all sweaty or that you would get head lice or something like that. So you put on your, your space lice protector, uh, and then you would go, they would divide you up green team or red team, and you would go put on your equipment. So the first thing you did was pick up the battery pack, which you, um, fastened around your waist. And then you put the, uh, pod, the chest pod, there was a strap that went over your neck. You put that on and connected to the chest pod was both your helmet and your, uh, laser gun. All these things together weighed about 23 pounds. So if you can imagine these six and a half minute games running, you know, with 23 pounds of equipment, it wasn't always fun, you know, <laughs> but, um, uh, it, it was kind of cumbersome and clunky to run around, but it, it was, it was still uh, very exciting, you know, and, and again, that also added to, um, that kind of atmosphere, like you were going, uh, you know, to another planet, like you were in, you know, space, your uh, pod plugged into the battery pack that was around your waist. And there was a little, should have been a little elastic uh, strap to hold that in place, but not all of, you know, those straps sometimes broke. Uh, but you had that. And then uh, once you were all suited up, you went at the end of the hallway and there was a person there with a, uh, that was working like a computer deck. And you had to present your photon ID card, which went into the system and you put your gun in and then you would give them whatever name you were. Of course, I was always Flack, but, um, or Jack Flack, but, you know, and there was no, it wasn't tied to your card, so you could give them whatever funny name you wanted to the person's discretion who was typing it in, obviously, but, uh, uh, so you gave them a name, and they would program that into the system, and then it would activate your pod, and the, the sound inside your helmet would change, so that's how you knew you were, you were into the game. So, you know, like, again, there's these uh, audio signals, so if you're not, you know, connected to the system, then you would know it. So, so then once you were suited up and you were connected to the system, you went to one of two little waiting rooms, and that's where you know your team would kind of assemble, and you you hung out there until everybody was decked into the game. So this might give you a couple of minutes, uh, you know, to come up with some strategy saying, you know, okay, you two guys are going to go here, you're going to go here, Fred and I will hang out at the base and shoot other people, and then, you know, in three minutes, you come back and relieve us, and we'll go over and try to shoot the other guy's base. So, you know, I mean, our plans were pretty crude at the time. A lot of the time, the plan was, hey, let's go run around and shoot people. So, uh, it was, a, I mean, it wasn't a great an advanced plan, but it was a plan. So, eventually, we were all led out onto the field, and like I said, the uh, thing that you heard at the beginning of the podcast was uh, the beginning of the soundtrack, which was six and a half minutes. Trivia fact, the soundtrack was actually recorded by Fleetwood Mac. Um, so a lot of the space, you know, type music, there there were different soundtracks. They were all really similar and they were all the same length of time, but some had more music in them. Some had less. Um, but I'm going to, near the end of the podcast, I'll probably put on the entire soundtrack. I have some different things I want to play for you, but um, the game began, and you, like I said, you would set out. Uh, there were a couple of different rules and that were enforced. Uh, there, were, there was a uh, referee, I guess you would say, that would walk the floor, sometimes two, usually just one, 
Um, and they would enforce rules as they saw them, but a lot of times the rules were enforced by players as well. So, you know, the regular guys that were there, uh, if you were doing something wrong, they would let you know. But um, the first rule was no running, uh, which was broken every game. But if a referee saw you, they would say no running. But, uh, you know, especially at the beginning of the game, to get to some of the uh, high profile, the best, uh, you know, strategic areas, like the crow's nest up at the top, if you weren't running, you weren't going to get there first. So um, the second rule was called the five-foot rule. And what that rule was is that you were not supposed to be within five foot of another player. Uh, if you were within five foot of another player, you were not supposed to shoot them. And it was supposed to be five foot, I guess, phaser to phaser. So if you, you know, were pointing your gun at someone else and they were pointing theirs, I mean, if you were five foot away but you were both pointing, that wasn't really cool. So... Uh, it wasn't supposed to be hand-to-hand combat. It was, you know, (laughs) firing fake uh, laser guns at each other. And occasionally there were parts of the maze where you would run into somebody, you know, like if you were in that, there was a back hallway that ran the whole length of the arena. And so you would come around the corner and be moving down there, and all of a sudden somebody would come out on the other team. And so the uh, sportsman-like thing to do would be to hold your gun, like, up, point it towards the sky and say pass and then the other person would say pass and then there was this uh, ritual that would always happen where you would pass wait until you were five foot away from the other person and then start trying to shoot them immediately as fast as you could you know but uh, but you weren't supposed to shoot within five foot of each other and it was called the five foot rule now an experienced player if you were holding your gun in their face or whatever someone who's been there might knock the gun out of your hand or smack your gun with their gun and yell five foot rule Uh, So that was one of those things that was enforced by players as much as it was by referees. And then the other rule, which kind of goes without saying, but pretty much the ultimate bad sportsman thing that you could do was unplug yourself in the middle of a game, which uh, the computer system saw that as basically an equipment malfunction and took you out of the game. So if you were losing or doing really poorly, some people who were bad sports would just unplug their pod from their battery pack, and then that would be the end of it. But... um, Uh, A lot of times people who did that were asked to sit out from future games or have a timeout, you know. Uh, So that was really frowned upon. In the beginning of playing Photon, we didn't really have, my friends and I didn't have much of a strategy. Actually, uh, when I say friends, it's my my buddy Jeff. He was my Photon, my co-Photon warrior, if you will. Uh, He and I would would go to Photon and stay as long as we could and play and hang out. But um, over time, we all developed uh, techniques and styles that would help you. For example, when you were shooting your opponent, you could shoot them in the the chest or you could shoot them in any of the uh, LEDs. Basically, there were sensors all over the helmet. So one thing you could do to help prevent being shot was stand with your chest up against a wall and then shoot sideways so now your chest can't be hit and then to make this you know to take that one step further you could lean your head way back so now you're the person that's trying to shoot you really they can see the bottom of your chin (laughs) and your neck but they're having a hard time seeing your actual helmet which is what they would have to shoot or your chest pod which is up against the wall you know uh, then th- there was another move, you know, was called a head fake or a head tilt or whatever, but um, or a head bob maybe, but it was really the act of violently shaking your head 
whenever someone was about to shoot you. So it might be like a, a you know, like if you were twisting away from a person really quickly and then twisting back and looking at them or, or spinning around, that type of thing. Um, really, it looked like you might be having a seizure or that something was physically wrong with you. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times it would it would keep someone else's gun from registering on your helmet. So, uh, you know, the longer you played, the more of these little types of tricks that you would learn to, to help you, um, you know, boost your score a little bit. Now, Photon wasn't cheap, or at least it didn't seem to me to be cheap as a kid. Looking back now, I think, it, you know, it was pretty affordable. But um, first off, you had to, buy, you know, get a membership pass, which was good for a year, and it cost $30. So you had that price right up front. Uh, and that was a photo ID that had your, your face on it that you had to scan to play every game. Uh, then you had your games, which were six and a half minutes long, and they cost $3. So if you went to a Photon and played, you know, three games, you're out about 10 bucks. That's assuming that you already have a pass. Now, our Photon and many Photons uh, across the country started implementing uh, passes where you could play as many games as you want for a single day. Ours was uh, called the Zappy Pass. And it was 20 bucks, and you could play all day. So Jeff and I would go, and our Photon was open for 15 hours. It was uh, on Saturday, it opened at 10 a.m., and it went all day and closed at just after midnight at 1 a.m. So we would pay $20 and then play literally for 15 hours. I mean, you would play a six-minute game, get out of the arena, and immediately go get in line. <laughs> and uh, if they were busy... It took about three minutes to get ready. So they ran a game about every ten minutes. Six and a half minute game and then three and a half minutes to get ready for the next one. So um, if they weren't busy, and you could hold a maximum of, I think, ten players per side. So if there were less than 20 people playing, you could literally play every game. One game every ten minutes. I remember going outside and sitting down uh, and crying because my calves and my legs or ankles would be cramping so bad. Uh, from, you know, running for six, seven, eight hours, basically, with all this equipment, you know. But we definitely, you know, we got our money's worth with the Zappy Pass. So, yeah, we did that that quite a bit. And actually, that kind of leads me into just hanging out at Photon. It was this um, subculture of uh, Photon Warriors, if you will. Uh, we didn't wear... There were a few people that would wear camouflage, but... I think the real guys mostly wore black. I mean, that was, uh, you wanted to hide, you know, in the darkness of the photon maze or whatever. I mean, I don't know how much you could really hide wearing a helmet with LEDs all over, but you didn't want to wear, you know, bright colors. And, you know, like I said, there were some guys that, um, with the military background or guys that were, uh, uh, you know, kids that were playing army that wanted to come play this, they wore camouflage, but most of us wore black, um, preferably shorts, which, was cooler if you were playing a long time because it sure got hot in the photon arena but also you know it was kind of a trade-off because you also ended up there was no doubt you were going to go home with carpet burns <laughs> from falling or rubbing up against something or whatever but there was this the downtime outside when you weren't playing of just hanging out you know at this photon center some of that time would be spent making plans talking about strategy talking with other people but uh, sometimes it was just hanging out you know it was a bunch of kids and and teens and young adults who were all into uh, this whole culture of laser tag, you know. So it was kind of a neat deal. Now, uh, 
other things at the Photon Center. There wasn't a lot to do other than play Photon, but uh, most Photon Centers had arcade games. I remember ours had, um, specifically, I remember Discs of Tron, Asteroids, Space Invaders, uh, I'm pretty sure there was a, a Pac-Man, uh, so a lot of common arcade games at the time. Uh, and then upstairs was an observation deck. And it ran the length of the center on one side, and then there was a part that went out towards the middle. And so from this observation deck, you could go upstairs and watch the entire game looking down at the play field. And actually, you were eye level with the second level of the play field. So uh, as people came up to the crow's nest or on some of those top ramps, you would actually be uh, equal to them. There was also a... I guess you'd call it a shooting gallery type game that you could play. I think it was a dollar or so. And there were guns set up on the observation deck. So uh, when people were playing Photon, you could go to the observation deck and pay a dollar and shoot the actual players like a, a shooting gallery, you know, and, and try to get a high score. Now, your shooting did not affect the people in the game. In other words, when you shot them, they didn't get derezzed or anything like that. But it was just kind of a side thing. I remember, um, I think my mom may have done that a couple times while she was waiting, you know, for us to to uh, get done playing Photon. Uh, so, anyway, uh, there was also uh, the snack bar. It was called something, like the moon, the lunar snack bar or something. I remember a big, huge mural on the wall of a uh, the picture of the, the Earth sunrise coming over the lunar landscape, you know, from the moon's point of view. Uh, but it was just a regular old snack bar. It had hot dogs and frozen pizzas and nachos. And, and um, there were many, many times where I ate three meals at that snack bar. <laughs> uh, you know, come in, play a few games of Photon, have some lunch, play games, have dinner there, play games, have something at midnight, um, and then go home, you know. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the snack bar. Now, as far as the games went... Uh, most of the time it was just what I guess you would call regular play, like free play or whatever, and anybody was allowed to play. But there were certain nights where they had league play, just like a bowling league or something, where actual teams who had signed up could come in and play against one another. Uh, and then there were also sanctioned games, and they would have these fairly regularly, but these were like officially sanctioned games from Photon. Uh, and then there was a uh, things you could earn if you scored 750 points in a sanctioned game, then you... I don't know what you would call it. You gained a title of Sir. And so whenever you played a game, they would put Sir in front of your name. And of course there were... Uh, I mean, I remember Sir Psycho and... and um, I think there was a Sir Lizard King. I don't know. And then there were funny ones. I remember a Sir Colquet and uh Sir Comsized. <laughs> uh, so there were those guys. But... Um, and then if you scored a 1,000 points at a sanctioned game, you had Lord put in front of your name. So I don't know that there was any any um, official other than bragging rights to be able to do that, and I was never able to do it. But um, the, the neat thing about it was, you know, it would strike fear in people. I mean, you would sign up for Photon and look at the score thing, and if you had a Sir on the other team or a Lord somebody, uh, basically you knew you were about to get pummeled. <laughs> uh one thing I wanted to talk about just briefly was the uh, equipment that was used and how often it failed. It, I mean, it wasn't all the time, but um, I mentioned that sometimes your power cable 
would come unplugged from your pod. When that happened, you were out of the game. I mean, it just reset you, you know. Um, then there were times where the main computer system at Photon would simply lock up. And I have read that Photon ran off of an IBM XT, and the guns broadcasted wirelessly at 600 baud to this machine. And so when this thing would lock up, Photon might be down for half an hour. And uh, especially what would be bad, sometimes this would happen after you'd already suited up. So now you'd have to just, you know, stand in the waiting area for half an hour as, uh, you know, wearing this 25 pounds of gear while they were trying to reboot the system and get everything reconnected, you know. So that that was kind of a bummer. It, it's really amazing looking back at it, actually, how much they were able to do with this, this kind of technology at the time. Uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking mid-80s here. So, like I said, this is um, 85, 86 for our Photon Center. Um, I have an article here that I found on the internet. Uh, this was written by Mark Maxham, M-A-X-H-A-M, uh, who apparently had some insight uh, with um, the... Uh, let's see. he uh, This is taken information from a technician who was employed at the original Photon in Dallas. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to read this bit. It says, um, The photon helmet and chest pod are covered with infrared light-emitting diodes. These diodes blank out at 600 bits per second, 8-bit code, your individual ID number. So when you shoot someone, a phototransistor in your gun scans their code. It's like a modem that uses light instead of sound, and in fact the transmitter-receiver circuit uses an off-the-shelf modem encoder-decoder chip. Uh, basically true for the old Photon system, most arenas, however, eventually upgraded to using 1200 baud. That sometimes made it harder to dodge. Uh, it has been argued that this was a bad move since it made it really easy to hit people, especially since the phaser boards were upgraded at that time also. I've actually found it more interesting to play with the old-style manual tuning at 1200 baud since shots were a bit more challenging, though dodging was still a bit harder. And when you went and played a game with one of the normal newer phaser boards, well, you had an unfair advantage of a re being a really good shot, unless you got used to the easier-to-hit boards. The 600-1200 baud signal is further modulated at 38.4 kHz. The gun's circuitry is tuned to only recognize this high-frequency carrier. This is so the gun does not react to body heat or light bulbs. A strong IR source will saturate the transistor, though, which is why the gun works best in the dark. So, see, these are things that, um, had I known, maybe there were ways uh, that you could have cheated, you know, at Photon. Maybe, um, kind of like a, a radar detector or jammer, you know, maybe there would have been a thing. Um, the game system consisted of two True Blue IBM XTs connected via serial lines. The Game Master talked to the Data Master, which was really just an extra storage device that was used to generate daily, weekly, monthly pod and master radio performance. The whole system uses only one frequency, so the pods perform time-sharing once per second. The master sends out a pulse sync. Each pod then waits a certain amount of time, depending on its ID, and then gets its own one-byte-long time slot in which to communicate with the master. If you have shot someone, you transmit their ID number. If something has happened to you, most notably being shot, you receive some sort of signal indicating what has happened. So, you know, like I said, this is... Um, uh, pretty advanced stuff for the time, you know. Um, and so with all this going on, 
like I said, during during this uh, the heat of the battle or whatever, you were constantly being updated about what's going on by the sounds in your helmet. And so I'm going to um, play you a few sounds here real quick. Let me pull this up. So this first sound here is of um, you getting hit, which is something I was very familiar with. So that that's what it sounded like in your helmet when you got hit. And then um, this is the sound that it played whenever you shot someone else. And this is this what it sounded like when you shot someone uh, on your own team. I was also very familiar with that one. Um, then there, here's the sound of a miss shot. And finally the sound of um, a reset. And this is um, basically the sound that it played if you weren't, you know, decked into the game. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, if you remember, I played the beginning of the Photon soundtrack, and uh, I'll go ahead and put that in here again. And um, I'll just turn it down so I can talk over it here a little bit. Um, so this is a six and a half minute audio track that played during every single game, and uh, I found this on the internet. There's actually a uh, about eight different tracks, which I didn't realize this at the time, and they're all six and a half minutes, and they're all very similar, but they may have different sound effects here or there, um, but um, one thing that they all have is the intruder alert, and the intruder alert was, uh, it happened twice a game. And it didn't really affect the gameplay per se, um, but what happened was when the intruder alert went off, uh, the lights would dim even more so, and spotlights would come on, and uh, she would announce there was an intruder alert, and you would hear lasers firing off and things, and it was almost like a, a panic, you know, type of thing. Like it was kind of stressful. Um, but like I said, it didn't affect you, but the intruder alerts were a good way to time how long, you know, how far you were into the game. So uh, it was easy, you know, an easy uh, audio landmark, if you will, to tell someone, okay, after the first intruder alert, quit what you're doing, I'll meet you at the crow's nest, and then after the second intruder alert, let's go for the base or whatever. So here's the uh, intruder alert. for a short period of time the uh, lights would stay dim and uh, uh, so yeah it was kind of a kind of a little fun thing you know that happened in the middle of the game uh, I, I guess um, while I'm playing some audio here I want to talk about some of the um, photon marketing that took place now remember this is a really short window of time the first photon center opens uh, in Dallas in 84. And 85 franchises are showing up. Uh, so this is 85 um, and early 86. Uh, Photon launches a fan club, which I cannot believe that I wasn't a member of. Uh, I don't think I knew about the fan club at the time, but they did have a fan club. Um, there were also half a dozen Photon books, which were novels that took place, uh, you know, on Planet Photon or whatever. Uh, and then there was the um, uh, television show, 
which is globally panned as being a horrible, horrible type show. I remember watching this show uh, just a couple of times and just remember, I mean, this is like, uh, I mean, to put it in comparison, like the the Star Wars fan that I am today, I mean, I have thousands and thousands of dollars of Star Wars toys um, boxed up on display. I mean, all over my house, I have Star Wars stuff. And this would be like a Star Wars show that came out when Star Wars was at its biggest and me deciding it's so bad that I couldn't watch it. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like that. I mean, there was it, when Photon came out, it was huge, and it was just, you know, really we felt like we were kids, you know, moving into something that was going to be big in the future, like this huge thing, like, you know, there would be Photon in the Olympics or something. <laughs> you know, something like that, but it felt like, you know, when I was 30... I would still be playing Photon and taking my kids to Photon and doing all this. And the Photon show, when it came on, it was so terrible. Um, it was like uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and some of those shows at the time that uh, actually had foreign footage that was overdubbed and mixed in. The whole show was done uh, basically on a green screen. And there was one guy that was a Photon warrior and then a bunch of idiots in costumes that were aliens and some were good guys and bad guys and it was just so awful um if you want to see an episode there's some clips available on youtube and um i've got one of them here i'm just going to play a few seconds of this because it's really bad um but here's uh, just a small clip from the photon television show nice work my little friend thanks percival look behind you it's mandor and he's got Bodie. mandor He's a pathetic specimen, isn't he? There's only one thing to do with this loser. Let's destroy him. So long. It sure is fun watching someone who enjoys their work as much as you do. This little worm will never bother us again. Oh, guys! <sighs> Pay for that, girly. No time like the present, boy. No, Tibia, let me handle him. He's mine. <laughs> How do you like it so far, boy? <laughs> it's been fun, Mandor. <laughs> So much for Mandar. Now where's his beetle-faced buddy? There he is. There he is over there. He's getting away. Hurry. And really, you know, maybe you had to see it, uh, but it's awful. Uh, it's the type of um, green screen where every set is a really bad miniature. You know, like when they're on the ice planet, it's like someone just dumped out a thing of table salt and then zoomed in really close on it. And they're like, hey, that looks like an ice planet. But really, it looks like, you know, just everybody's tiny walking around on a pile of salt. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, but the reason behind all these books and television shows and all that was not only to promote Photon as it took place, um, you know, in the arena, but also Photon the Home Game, uh, which came out in right in time for Christmas of 1986. Now, at that same Christmas, we also see Laser Tag. Uh, the not 
the game, but the actual company, Laser Tag, who doesn't really have arenas, but they are marketing, you know, their home game, which had guns and a vest or whatever. And the Photon uh, had guns and then a uh, like a base, like the tower in the arena that you could shoot at. And then there was a advanced version that also had um, and came with a helmet, you know, so. That was, it was pretty expensive, but um, anyway, so that was popular uh, for a year. In fact, here's a commercial that I pulled down off of YouTube for the uh, home version of Photon. son has been chosen to be the ultimate laser warrior. First, choose the laser that really works together. Scores on helmet, phasers, and modules. When going into battle, don't get tagged. Choose Photon from Entertech. So, um, yeah, like I said, in 1986, there's a big push for um, home version of Photon. You know, you, if you can't get to an arena, there's only so many arenas, so there might not be one near you, but you could always pick up the home version. So, 86, uh, early 87, that's a big deal. So, in this time frame of my life, Photon is pretty big. Uh, like I said, my buddy and I, Jeff, were going, um, it wasn't far. The Oklahoma City Photon Arena was less than 10 miles from my house, so it was not a big deal to get our parents. Uh, maybe Jeff's mom might take us, my mom might pick us up later, um, but it wasn't, uh, you know, a big deal to get rides to Photon, especially if we were going to stay for a long period of time. Uh, and so Jeff and I got pretty good at Photon. I mean, we weren't great, but we were really regular players, you know. So, um, uh, and it was just a matter of learning the maze and learning, you know, these tricks and all these things, but, but we got pretty good. So in the summer of, I believe, 1988, uh, our family took a vacation to go visit relatives in Chicago, and my friend Jeff went with us. And when we got there, uh, they were having a grand opening, and they had just opened a photon center. So we talked my parents into letting Jeff and I go play photon there. So really what you have is a couple of kids, Jeff and I, that have been playing Photon for a couple of years now. And we showed up at a center where no one had played Photon. And so we were awesome. <laughs> we were so much better than everybody. And at one point, and there were two referees, I remember, that were working there. And they accused us of cheating and all these things. And Jeff and I were like, no, you know, we told them we were there on vacation and that we'd played Photon for a long time. And so, at some point, these two referees, I mean, people that work there, and I'm like 15 years old, you know, um, these people that work there challenged us to a Photon battle, a two-on-two -two battle. You know, Jeff and myself versus these two guys that work there um, who had been, you know, playing 
inside the arena, you know, while they were building it and before they were open. But um, Jeff and I slaughtered them. I mean, it was no match because we knew all these different things, you know, and we knew where the the times were in the soundtrack. We had plans. Um, But, you know, I mean, in the big picture of things, being really good at Photon one time because we had a bunch of more experienced than people that were there is not a big accomplishment in life. But at the time, it seemed like a really big deal. I mean, people were walking, like, treating us like we were awesome photon warriors that we were. Hello. <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget that because, I mean, for one, you know, I don't know how long we were there, several hours, but we ruled the Chicago photon. <laughs> but, um, so anyway. Uh, you know, Photon is this huge thing in my life. Uh, you know, Jeff and I are going to Photon all the time. We're hanging out there on Saturdays, especially when they offered their Zappy Pass. Um, and in 1989, Photon files bankruptcy. And all the arenas start to close down. And Oklahoma City, the Photon Arena, closed down. And, um... It's hard for me to... I don't really have a good point of reference except for the fact that in August of 1989 is when I got my driver's license. And I don't remember ever driving to Photon. Uh, so, I mean, it had to be that summer around that. I haven't been able to find an exact date, but it has to be really close to that time. Um because I think if I could drive to Photon, I would have been there all the time. So I, I just don't remember that ever happening. And when my local Photon closed, I just remember being completely depressed. Um, like I really thought this was something that was going to catch on. You know, like I said, I, I thought this was um, something that would always be in my life. And if you look at it, uh, it was in my life for, you know, basically four years or maybe less, you know. Um... And all the photons closed down except for one, for some reason. Uh, there is a place in Maryland that is called XP Laser Sport. XP stands for X-Photon, and they still have, you know, the original photon maze. And they have a retro night where you can play with the old photon equipment. I've never been to uh, uh, Maryland, but that would definitely be um, a place to stop in. That would be on my list. Um, but yeah, our photon closed down. They boarded up the building. It was a unique shaped building anyway. And um, about a year later, it opened up as one of those fly-by-night discount furniture um, furniture stores. And I remember stop- I did. I had my driver's license by this point, and I went there. And uh, I went in, and salesmen were asking me if they could help me. And I said, no thanks, I'm just looking around. And I walked around what used to be Photon. And there were things that struck, you know, that there are things that you don't change about a building, like where the fire exits were or, um, you know, where the stairs that went upstairs, different things like that. So there were, there were parts of it that hadn't changed, but, you know, where the actual maze was or where we played were cheap bunk beds. <laughs> and old mattresses and things like that for sale so uh but it was really weird to go in there and i only went in one time and then um it burned down the building burned down and uh 
you know, I didn't have any um, attachment really to the buildings. I got to see it the one time after Photon closed down, and that that was good enough. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of odd. The building's not there anymore. They built something else on top of it, and that was that. As you know, there are modern uh, laser tag arenas. You know, there's different brands. There's one uh, that we went to, I took Mason to when he was five or six and um, I just didn't like the whole thing. You know, um, I think the equipment is probably better, but I, for some reason, and I'm sure it's probably just looking at it through rose-tinted glasses, you know, um, but I just prefer the old hardware. I mean, it was heavier, but it, to me it seemed more like, um, you know, an actual outer space thing, you know, putting on the helmet and, and all that stuff. And the new ones, most new places uh, have either a vest or, you know, a chest pod, thing like that, and the phaser, but, you know, they don't have the helmet and the other stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, the modern equipment I'm sure is ten times better than than what we used to play photon with but it's just not the same to me another thing that i liked about the old photon was the whole theme of it being you know an outer space type battle or whatever the um photon place near or the laser tag place excuse me near my house um has a combination laser tag slash egyptian theme and inside the maze, there are uh, there's a sarcophagus that will randomly shoot you, and there are hieroglyphics on the wall. And gone is the old uh, dedicated photon soundtrack. Now they just crank rock music in there. Um, so there's really it doesn't have the same atmosphere to me, you know. And the a lot of the maze is you know just boards, plywood, and things that have been covered up or painted. Um, it's just not the same, I don't think. Uh, Photon was really uh, an experience. You know, it was more than just like a, a game or whatever. It was a whole ordeal. And I don't think the, at least the places I've been to, the modern laser tag things, it's just not the same to me. Really, this story could be over. There's no update in my story from 1989 until almost 20 years later. And, uh, you know, I've got on the internet and I found some other people that enjoyed Photon and, and, uh, downloaded these music tracks and things that you've talked about. But, um, uh, in 2008, there's this scuttlebutt on the internet that some guy, some crazy guy somewhere named Jim Struther is building a new Photon arena and it's, He's building it off of the old plans. It's going to be Photon, you know, and he's going to use the old equipment, and it's going to be the old uh, arena, and it's going to be just like an old Photon. And I told myself when I read that, I don't care where this is, I will go visit it at least once. I mean, anywhere in the country, I will, I will go to where this is and see it. And it turns out that he was building it in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is just outside Tulsa, about 100 miles away from me. So I couldn't have been happier to hear this news, you know. So Jim Struther is posting updates about how it's going, and, and there's a lot of technical updates of he's got this working or that working, you know. And then there's some radio silence where we don't hear updates for a while. 
but you know I'm getting pretty excited about reading about this and um, then there's a post an update that basically says that due to financial reasons uh, the arena will not open and this was just like we were so close to having um, a photon arena again you know like reliving your youth and all this stuff uh, I was really upset and then Jim posted and said in May of 2008 the arena would not open for business and he was going to open it for free play for one day for anyone who was interested and uh, as many of my life adventures go I called Jeff he said he was in we loaded up and drove to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma <clears throat> to go play Photon. And um, when we got there, I would say that the Photon Center was... The arena looked really good. Now, the rest of the building was largely unfinished. I mean, it was a there's a giant... Uh, foyer type area that was just empty. I mean, it was ma it looked even larger than it was because there was nothing in it. I re I remember there was a um, there's a sign on the wall that said arcade, and I mean there it must have been on a wall that was you know 75 yards long it seemed like, and there's one arcade game on the wall. It was Gyrus. I think there may have been some pinball machines too, but you know I mean so it was just um, almost cavernous this the size of this room. And uh, Jim was there with his wife and some of the people that had helped out. And there were people had come, driven 8, 12 hours. But I guess what kind of put this in, put everything in perspective for me is there were a dozen people, maybe. Definitely less than 20 altogether who showed up for this. And I... I mean, I would have gone anywhere to see this. I, anywhere in the country... So I was amazed that only, you know, less than 20 people showed up for to relive this. So maybe it wasn't as big of a deal as as I had, you know, to other people as it was to me cuz it it was sure a big deal to me. Um but we played Photon for the first time in 20 years. I played Honest to God Photon. We strapped on the um battery belts. We put on that old equipment and I mean it I got choked up. <laughs> Uh, and I know it seems silly, but it's just like something from your past, from your childhood that is gone and gone forever. And this was the one day, 20 years later, to go back and see what it was like. It was um, it was really incredible. I, it was a great experience. And um, at the end of the day, Jim started talking about... Uh, you know, selling off some of the equipment. And I had offered to buy, you know, some of the pods, maybe a non-working pod or something. Um, oh, we had talked about that. He and I talked about that in an email before I went. And then when I got there, he said that there may be a chance of it opening after all. So he didn't want to sell anything off, which I, I would rather have a, a functioning photon center than, you know, a game pod that I can't use hanging in a corner of my room. So... Uh, I wasn't disappointed about that at all. And um, so work continued. Now, I will tell you this. The day that we played, there were technical problems. I mean, um, not all the guns were registering right. Um, you know, there, there were just some issues. Uh, not everything was tuned properly, but 
you know, for what it was, it was it was still exciting to play. So that Photon Center did open. It opened on July first of two thousand eight. Um, but before you uh, pack your bags and get ready to head to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I will um, let you know that it closed nine weeks later. And um, you know, I kind of kink myself for this, but it's like a lot of things. And I've done this before, where there's something where you're like, you know, I wish there were a photon. Like, for 20 years, there's no photon. And finally, some guy opens a photon, and then you go, eh, I'll get out there eventually. <laughs> I didn't make it out there. Nine weeks, I mean, I, in my defense, I thought it would be open longer than two months, but um, I didn't make it out there. I didn't support the guy, and he didn't make it. I mean, he made it. He's he's alive. <laughs> but the Photon Center didn't make it. It's closed up. And, um, you know, I, I've mentioned in my book and on some of my podcasts, there's a local arcade. There's one, Cactus Jacks, which um, uh, is a still a really large, independently owned family video game arcade. And every now and then, I you know, I... I mean, I brag about it. Online, I brag about Cactus Jacks all the time, and, and people say, there's no more arcades, and I say, I have one around the corner from my house. Um, but I don't go there that often. So it's like, I support the idea of them having an arcade, but I don't support them financially. And sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll take my son, and we'll go there, and I'll spend 10 bucks or whatever. Just I don't even feel like I'm doing it because I want to play arcade games, but I'm doing it because I want to support them. Uh, in what they're doing, you know. So I, I don't know. I kind of feel bad that I didn't make it to the photon because, if um, I mean I made it, you know, the one time, but not while they were open. And um, I don't know. I wish it would have made it because I think you know it was really something special. It was a lot different than just the regular old laser tag uh, that they have out there today, you know. So um, anyway, we're we're getting to the end of this one. Uh, there is no more photon. Uh, I will tell you this, I don't, as playing Photon as a 36-year-old overweight white male, um, I don't run as much as I used to. I will tell you that. Um, yes, I do not run like I used to 20 years ago. Um, you know, I remember, you know, like I said, play, making these plans of let's, you know, we're going to run here and run here and then we're going to run here. And when I played at Jim Struthers Field, my plan was to sit and wait for people to run by me and then I would shoot them and hide um, and try not to pass out <laughs> um, yeah so different strategy 20 years later many pounds later um, so a couple of things I want to plug real quick before the end of this uh, podcast the first is a really interesting really good documentary called Light Sport and uh, it's called Light Sport, The People, Business, and Game of Laser Tag. And I uh, own this documentary. It's about an hour and a half long. And um, it's all about, I mean, it covers Photon. Uh, a lot of it talks about Photon, and then it talks more just about the, the sport of laser tag in general. Um, the URL for that, and I'll put this in the, um, the podcast posting, is uh, lasertagvideo.com. Now, I'll tell you one thing, uh, the video, oops, as I just uh, click on it here, 
The video is $20 and only available on VHS. I mean, it's copyright 2002, and I don't know why it's not available on DVD. In fact, I took my VHS copy and converted it to DVD, uh, you know, just so I could watch it. Because um, the only thing I do with VHS tapes at this point is convert them to DVD if I want to watch them. Um, but yeah, so that's the only bad part about it, but it is a good documentary. Um, you know, so if you're interested in more about the story of Photon and, and seeing, uh, there's some, uh, footage in the documentary of a XP laser sport, people still playing Photon. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested in Photon, laser, the history of laser tag, all that kind of stuff, it's definitely, uh, worth picking up. Let's see. Is there anything else that I wanted to plug? Um, oh, when I went to Jim Struthers Photon Arena, I took along with me both a digital still camera and my camcorder. And I recorded uh, five different, or I think three different games of Photon. I think we played three or four games that day. Uh, and so I recorded each game. I also took some footage. Uh, I mean, most of the footage was from above looking down at people playing, but I also walked around on the game field while people were playing and took some footage from there. Uh, all those videos are on YouTube. And so I'll add links. If you just go to youtube.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and look around, you can find my Photon uh, videos, or I'll add a link to the podcast thing. And also I'll add a link. I took you know a couple hundred pictures that day of the arena, the equipment, what everything looked like. So, you know, if you're more interested in seeing, um, you know, what Photon looked like and the equipment, you could do that. So, uh, but that basically wraps up episode 112. It's all about Photon. It was a good memory. Um, I miss it in the way that I miss a lot of things from my youth. If they open a Photon Center next to me, I mean, basically they did. <laughs> Last year I went one time, so I don't know that I would, uh, you know, be the uh, photon warrior I once was. But what can you do? Uh, episode one thirteen, which is already about half written, is going to be about text adventures. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jason Scott's new documentary, Get Lamp, which is all about text adventures and some of uh, my old text adventure stories. And uh, one fourteen, which is on the table right now, is going to be. Um, into arcade games uh, I've had a few people ask me about arcade auctions and so I'm going to talk a little bit about auctions and, and some of my old stories about buying and selling games at, at uh, auctions and um, some tips you know things you know information things for you to look out for stuff like that so anyway this wraps up 112 thank you guys once again for listening you can find all the podcasts at podcast.robohara.com uh, the forum Thank you, everybody who posts and hangs out at the forum, which is thegaschamber.robohara.com, and links to all those things and uh, lots of other things can be found right at the, uh, the regular website, which is www.robohara.com. So thanks again for listening, for posting, uh, for sharing everything that you guys do. I really appreciate it. This is Flack, and I will see you in episode 113.
Disperse to exit. Disperse to exit. Disperse to exit. Disperse to exit. Disperse to exit.